Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. You can fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thank you. We're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. We have reached the end of our family series here today. And if you missed any of the teachings, I want you to go back and watch or listen to them online or through the podcast, okay? Nearly two thirds of American families, they say they would like to achieve stability within their families, but how do you do that? How do you build strong, healthy, stable families? That's the question that we've been answering in this series. Well, you let God build your family from the ground up. Psalm 127.1 says, and unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. So you need God, right? You need God first and foremost at the center. We started our series off by focusing on marriages and the foundational keys that marriages need to be strong and healthy. And then we talked about the power of forgiveness, how families need to forgive and heal in order to be strong. And I think the hardest wounds to heal from are those wounds that are often caused by our families. Then we spent some time looking at the story of Jacobet, Moses' mother, and we learned how her faith helped shape her family. I was on Mother's Day. Our next teaching was also important, one of the most important I think we're going to do all year. We walked through human sexuality. So many families, I would argue every family really, is impacted by sex and gender and the struggles which come with these issues. But what does God's Word say? What was God's original design? So we spent some time carefully walking through that. And I would encourage you to go check it out if you haven't done so yet, okay? Finally, we dove into the area of faith. If you want to build a strong, healthy, stable family, then you better be building faith at home, okay? So the average Christian family spends about six hours a month in some kind of church ministry getting church-based teaching. But there are, on average, 730 hours in a given month. Remember, some months are longer than others in February, and, you know, that's crazy stuff. So you can't rely on the church, okay, that's the point, to disciple your marriage or your kids. You have to be actively building your faith at home. We talked about the desire that many have for stability in their families, and that comes from a study done a few years ago, which found that 70% of families wanted stability more than anything else. But there was a caveat to this study. They posed the question kind of like this, aside from money, (laughs) okay, what is the one thing you desire for your family? So notice that phrase, aside from money, because everybody wants what? (laughs) Everybody wants money, that's right. So we think more money is going to solve our issues, don't we? And and it certainly makes life a whole lot easier, or so at least it appears to anyway. But is money really, you know, everything? Will it solve your problems? Will, Will your family be able to be better off if you make more money. Uh, what if I told you, you know, that a high number, if not a majority, of family conflicts center around finances? And it's not always about trying to make more money. Financial conflicts are up to over how to manage money. Do we take on more debt? Are we living above our means? That kind of thing. So these issues are pivotal, and we're going to take some time today to walk through what God's design is for how to handle our finances. Now, before we jump into everything today, I want to pitch this to you, okay? I want you to go back when you get a chance. Go back and listen or watch a message called Giving from the Buckets. 
It was part of our Thanks and Giving teaching series we did in November 2021. In that message, we really break down in detail some of the things we're going to talk about today, most notably tithing, which we'll talk about at the end, and like why we do it. So let's start with this important idea about more money being the answer to our problems. Is that true? Is it true? First Timothy 6, 6 through 8. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. And after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Look at verse number 9. But people who long to be rich, they fall into temptation, and they're trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, this is a famous verse, is the root, not, you know, it's not money, it's love of money, okay? It's the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, well, they've wandered from the true faith and they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. I like what the author Paul was saying in verse number seven. He says, you know, we brought nothing into this world and we can't take anything out with us, right? And that probably says it all right there. But the author of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, he talks about this some too. He says this about wealth, Ecclesiastes 5, verses 10 and 11. Those who love money, they'll what? Will never have enough. How meaningless to think about wealth and how it brings true happiness. The more you have, man, the more people come to help you spend it. <laughs> is that not true? So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? The great philosopher, 50 Cent, <laughs> he once said, more money, more problems, right? Now, money, money is an inanimate object. It's just, it's just a tool. It's a resource. The problem is not money. As 1 Timothy 6 puts it, the problem is the love of money. It's, it's greed. And the problem of being greedy or simply just pursuing more money, which is not in and of itself like a bad thing, is that it leaves you empty. You never have enough, Ecclesiastes tells us. In fact, if, if you do have enough, right, others will come calling because they they want a piece of that, right? Um, but the most alarming thing to me is, is that in the pursuit of wealth, and Paul talks about this in our 1 Timothy 6 passage, we can lose our way. So most people, they don't start out to get greedy, like they want more money for a better way of life, right? They want more money to provide for their families. They have good intentions, but so often we can lose our focus because we're pursuing wealth and not pursuing contentment. Notice that Paul says in 1 Timothy that pursuing wealth can cause people to fall into a trap which leads to their ruin and destruction, even to fall away from the faith. There's a really strong emphasis on the word destruction in the Greek language that Paul writes in. And I think that's because the more we pursue wealth, the more we'll just do anything we can to acquire as much of it as we can. Like we'll run people over, we'll cut corners, we'll destroy lives, you know, to get more of it. What we're really doing is we're putting everything into our hands and we're trusting ourselves and not God. But when we pursue contentment, we're showing we have complete trust in God's ability to care for us and our families. God will provide food. He'll provide clothes. He'll, he'll make sure we have somewhere to lay our head at night. He'll provide necessities, right? It's okay to work hard. It's okay to invest and acquire wealth as long as you're content with what God has given you and with his role as your ultimate provider. In fact, that's what Paul's famous line in Philippians 4.13, that's what it really actually points to. I want you to check this out. Philippians chapter 4. Not that I was ever in need, he says, for I've learned how to be content. There's that word again, with whatever I have. I know how to live in almost nothing. 
nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When you give your life to the Lord and when you live your life with contentment, man, you can live limitless. It doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in because you trust God's going to take care of you. So before we do anything else in our finances, before we talk about them in great detail, we have to get to a place where we're completely and utterly content with the Lord's will for our lives and what God has given us, with what He may give us in the future or may not give us in the future, with His role as our provider. Pursue contentment. And I'm telling you everything else, it'll fall into place God's way, God's will in the proper manner, okay? Now once you've reached the point where you're content with God and His provision, you can actually start to address other important areas in your family's finances. And one of the most important centers around debt. I know, I said the D word, right? There's a lot of opinions about debt. Some argue there's good debt and bad debt. Some say it's all bad. Depends who you talk to. And while God's Word doesn't really teach that debt is, you know, like bad or wrong, it definitely doesn't paint it in the best light. Look at Proverbs 22, 7 to find out why. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. In other words, when you're in debt, you're not really free, are you? Full disclosure, I, I'm, I'm not free. I got a small car payment. I got a mortgage in my house. I don't own my house, right? The bank owns it, so you can kind of tell how I view debt. Uh, I had student loans, paid those off. Others of you, you have student loans, you're working to pay off. You might have credit card debt or health bills. You have mortgages, that kind of thing, too. You know, you, you can't get your family to a, a healthy place if you continue to accrue more and more debt. Think about how much more you could do for your family if you were debt-free. How much more, you know, you could do for God's kingdom if you were debt-free. Imagine never paying another dollar to somebody who owns a piece of your life. How freeing would that be? See, families which have healthy finances, they're debt-free, or they've got a plan that they're working through to become debt-free. They don't buy a house which eats into half or more of their income each month. They don't max out one credit card and then use another credit card to pay off that card's monthly bill. Like, they don't take out an equity loan against their home to pay for vacation. Like, they don't do stuff like that because they manage their finances wisely. If you want to get your family to a healthier place, a more stable place, trust me, you need to eliminate debt from your life. That takes a lot of hard work, takes a lot of discipline. It doesn't matter if you're a young adult, doesn't matter if you're 60 years old, 70 years old. It's difficult to do regardless of age and experience. But you have to be disciplined enough to get to a place where you can be financially free if you want to make a big difference, if you want to have a healthy family. It may mean to skip vacations. It may mean to coupon like crazy. It might mean to eat out once a month. I, I was always made fun of by my friends because I had a cheap cell phone for years instead of like an iPhone. And my cell bill was like 20 bucks a month, you know? And I didn't put my phone on a payment plan like they did. So, so you got to do stuff every now and then that people look at you and be like, that's crazy. What's wrong with you? I want to be free, right? It's not a sin to be in debt. 
I, I want to make that clear. Like, it's not a sin. It's not wrong. But as Proverbs tells us, it's not freeing either. So the Hebrew actually reads that you're not a servant. The Hebrew actually says you're a slave to the lender. So in other words, like the bank owes you, right? The cell phone company you're paying your phone for each month, it owns you. The credit card company owns you. The government who financed your higher education, it owns you. Until you pay them back, you're a slave. So the sooner you eliminate debt from your life, the better off you will be and the healthier your family's finances will be. Trust me on this one. And a big part of eliminating debt and getting to a healthy place financially for your family is to prioritize your finances. You got to do that. Just like we're to prioritize our lives around God, we prioritize our finances as well. And by the way, it doesn't stop. You still put God first. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So what does that mean? It means we put God first. And even with our wealth and our resources, we put God first. I'm not going to do a deep dive on tithing. I mentioned this earlier. You can go back and watch and listen to that message in that Thanks and Giving series. That's a great message to look at. But this is where tithing does come into play. We set aside an amount, typically 10%. Sometimes it's more, depending on your convictions, to give back to the Lord. You might say, well, wait a minute. Why am I giving stuff back to God? And why does God need it? Well, God owns it all. It's not about God needing it. He owns it all. Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. See, God owns everything, and that includes your finances. So what He's done is He's given them to you to manage. And so your finances, your resources, your kids, I would argue even your health, they, that all belongs to God. And you are to manage them well and do so in a responsible way, which brings Him glory and, as Proverbs 3, 9 tells us, also honors Him. So in the Old Testament, before currency became like your big thing into the picture here, it meant that you would give God the first and the best. So all the way back in the book of Genesis, we read about two brothers, Cain and Abel, who brought offerings to God. Abel, he, he brought the best of his sheep as a sacrifice, but Cain, he brought some of his produce from his garden. He gave God the leftovers while his brother gave God the best. You know what God did? He honored Abel, but he refused Cain's offering because you don't bring leftovers to a holy God. So we put God first. He blessed us with the job that we have. He blessed us with the food that we eat. He blessed us with the car that we drive. He gets the first cut. We give a portion back to Him. And as Malachi 3.10 explains, He will bless us as a result. Look at this, Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you will not have enough room to take it all in. Try it. Put me to the test. Only place where God really says, test me, right? But, but what do you do after putting God first? Well, it's really kind of up to you. Here's a word of advice that I, I just want to give to you. If you're desirous to build a healthy, stable family, here's some advice. Make sure to save some of your money. There's an age-old rule. Give God 10%, save 10%, live off 80%, which sounds impossible to some of you, but do everything you can to get to a place where you can live by that rule. Why? Because not only do you honor God in the process, but you begin to accrue savings for times when you really are going to need to dip into them. If you have savings, you don't have to get into debt to bail yourself out uh, of a car issue or a water pipe busting or whatever. So once you've built up a little savings account, the goal for many is about a month's worth of expenses then you start using the extra savings to pay off and eliminate 
debt. And if you're fortunate to pay those, you know, the, the debt off and, and, and get past those steps, then start thinking about how you invest so you can leave your family in a better position after you leave this life. Because if God doesn't return, He's going to call you home and you're going to have your family left behind. What kind of shape are you going to leave them behind in? One final thought on prioritizing your finances, okay? When you prioritize your finances, you're also able to live a generous life. You can help people. You can help God's kingdom. You can make a difference in a very substantial way when your finances are in order. We all want to live a life of generosity, but it's not something we can do if we're pursuing wealth instead of contentment. If we have debt weighing us down, if our finances are in disarray and disorder. I strongly believe that generous living is God's desire for each of us when it comes to our finances so we can bless others and also honor Him. More money can bring more problems. It can create more debt, and it can attract people far and wide who want to help you spend everything you got. It can certainly cause issues that divide a family. The answer to providing stability in your finances for your family, it's not to just acquire more money. It goes beyond that. It's knowing what to do with this resource. And if we live by God's design, we do things His way, we're not going to be a burden. Instead, we're going to be a blessing to people in our family and our community. Pursue contentment in the life that God is giving you. Don't make pursuing wealth your top priority. It's going to leave you empty in the end. You can't take anything with you when you leave this world, so why pursue more dollars instead of the life that God's giving you? Eliminate debt so you can be a slave to nobody other than Christ. Don't let some person or company or firm own a piece of you. Make sure you prioritize your finances and start with making God first, okay? Prioritizing your finances can lead you to a place where you begin to live generously. And when you live generously, you make substantial impacts in people's lives. Obviously, healthy finances don't ensure a healthy family. That's just one aspect of what a healthy, stable family can look like. You need to make sure that you're continuing to put Christ at the center. Let God build your family, because if God builds it, you can be sure all the other things we talked about in this teaching series will fall into place. You'll find your marriage, your family, they're healthier, and they're more stable. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. Thank you for each person who's out there watching and listening right now. God, I pray that uh, you would help us to live uh, in a financially healthy, responsible way. We want to build healthy marriages, healthy families. Part of that is having healthy finances, Lord. So help us to get things in order. God, may we make sure that we pursue contentment, not wealth. We're content with the life you've given us. We're content with how you're providing for us. We're content, Lord, with who you are and the mission you're calling us to. And if we find contentment in you, we can do anything. God, I pray that we uh, get to a place where, where financially we can eliminate debt. Help us to be disciplined. Help us, God, to, to, to find some ways to earn some extra money to pay that debt down and off so we can be free and slaves to nobody. So we can begin to prioritize our finances and live a generous life where we are impacted not just our family, but people in our community, around the world, your kingdom. Lord, I believe that being financially responsible and healthy is just as important in our spiritual walk 
because that's part of part of honoring you. It's part of managing what you've given us, you know, wisely and well. But it's also a way for us to continue to make a kingdom impact on this world. Money is just a tool. It's a resource. Another way we can make a difference. Thank you for every family, every marriage, every person who's been with us all the way in this series. May you bless them. May they have healthy families, healthy marriages, God, I pray. Stable marriages, stable families. Lord, may they and their family make an impact in the communities that they are a part of. We pray and ask all this in your mighty and precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.